Welcome back to Speakeasy Security, the podcast from ESET, cybersecurity leader. I'm Ransom Burkett. And I'm Tony Anscombe. And this week, Tony, we were talking about a huge announcement from Apple. They just unveiled the Apple iWatch 6 and a brand new application, and it's causing a lot of stir. Um, there's been a lot of movement with wearables in the world, and I think you and I both have our opinions on these things. Uh, but their latest announcement is it, it's being talked about a lot because they're they're putting out some tech and uh, some features that most people hadn't even considered being possible in a wearable device. Now, with Apple having access to this level of personal information, there's obviously going to be concerns with regards to privacy and specifically what Apple Watch users can expect. So what do you think? So there are a lot of new features in these devices, and not just the Apple Watch. Uh, just a few weeks ago, you and I were chatting about the Amazon have released the details on the Halo device. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yet to be shipping, and uh, I think I'm registered waiting for one of those. If anybody from Amazon is listening, please please tick my box and get me one of those. Uh, but they're turning these fitness trackers into health monitoring devices as opposed to it being just a fitness tracker. And although you can reason that health data and fitness are, of course, related, which they are, because it, you know, if you're a fitness addict or you want to have good fitness, understanding your health data is probably a good thing to understand. But I'm starting to wonder, though, something like uh, blood, blood oxygen levels, do the people wearing these devices actually understand what these things mean? Are you putting too much data in the hands of somebody that actually is not educated enough in the actual science of some of these health issues to understand what the numbers mean? So you might be freaking somebody out, giving them, telling them something that actually they don't fully understand. And think about measuring blood oxygen levels is one of those first things when a paramedic walks into the room. You see, yeah, I mean, you see it in the movies and on TV, but if you watch a paramedic in real life, the first thing he does is clip one of those things on the end of your finger, and that's a pulse oximeter. And what it's doing is it's measuring, one, your pulse, but it's also looking your, at your blood oxygen levels, so the oximetry. And, yeah, what it does is shine a, a light through your skin, and the reflected light, comes back and gives it an indication of how much oxygen is actually in your blood. Okay. But it could make us paranoid. I think, you know, having that number on my wrist uh, and looking at it continually, it, could it make me paranoid? Possibly. And could I then misunderstand the data? Possibly too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but back to your question. Uh, yeah. Is, the, is there an increased risk of privacy? Well, yeah, at first glance, you might consider knowing, for example, oxygenation, saturation in the blood is of little interest to anyone. But however, uh, if somebody has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, as most people know it, then their reading is going to be about 10% under normal. Sure. So suddenly now I've got a data difference between a healthy person and an unhealthy person, or not unhealthy, but somebody that has a particular respiratory issue. So if a cyber criminal could get hold of that piece of data, then suddenly they know that somebody has this health issue. So is the data useful? Uh, you know, does the data have value? Yeah, possibly, yes. Yeah, I think it would. I mean, as you mentioned, there's a few different applications in which that would be useful, but um, 
this brings me back to one of the points that you mentioned earlier, and that's with regards to the device that you said you're holding uh, and holding with bated breath for, which is your new Amazon Halo device, because I think that thing will have a body mass index function, which in my mind, that could be, you know, also some data that could be important. Do you think that's also a concern? Well, yes, but are you going to strip off when you get your Amazon device and take your picture and send it to Amazon? I, you know, I don't know if I will, you know, I mean, standing there with front, back, side and sides and then saying, hey, analyze this. I think I can analyze it myself. But yeah, as you mentioned, from a scientific perspective, I I see some fitness buffs, you know, maybe, maybe you know, taking Amazon up on that. Well, and that's exactly what you need to do. And I don't think and when I say strip off, I think there's some level of clothing that you keep on. But it is a very personal picture, isn't it? If if that you're going to be sending to Amazon, and actually, when they get the picture, their advanced algorithms are going to calculate the the BMI, uh, which could be depressing, or it could yeah, you could be delighted. Who knows? But but Amazon say they upload the image and calculate the number. This all takes place in just a few seconds, uh, or that's what it says in the privacy policy that surrounds Halo. Uh, but then, if you read the policy a bit further, it says it. They hold on to the, the image and delete it within 12 hours. I'm not sure what happens in the 11 hours and 59 minutes and a few seconds yeah. <laughs> that they're not processing your BMI for. But in, in any case, it, you know, whether having that image stored on Amazon servers, and let's be clear, Amazon are a pretty responsible company and they understand security and all those sorts of good things. But having those type of images now floating around or the fact they're even being taken, to me, starts to raise an issue uh, because that image is out there. And as you know, there's sure to be some cyber criminals somewhere creating the next phishing campaign that says, hey, we had a problem with your Amazon BMI image, and they're going to push this out, and some people are going to go, oh, I need to upload it to this other website. Um, bang, now you've suddenly got these very personal pictures that remind me, actually, of you phishing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've got all these very really personal pictures of you floating around that maybe you didn't think should be. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you know, when I fish without my shirt, I think that's only for those big game fish, like those marlin and sailfish. But <laughs> I'll keep it on from now on because you never know. Um, you bring up a good point, Tony. I think that's, as you said, there's a lot of questions to be had around this. And I mean, you tell me, is there a way that a cyber criminal could actually use this data? Well, so you've heard of sextortion campaigns. You know? In fact, I think we've talked about sextortion campaigns on our, on our podcast before, yeah. where cyber criminals grab a sensitive picture and basically ransom that picture back to you, or they've got a piece of knowledge about you, and they turn and say, well, you know, if you pay us, then we're, we're not going to post this on social media, or we're not going to publish this. Right. I think the same is possible with this type of data, if they manage to get their hands on the data, which let's hope they don't, because like I say, Apple and Amazon, in this case, are pretty good at security. But there's there's other ways that those cyber criminals could possibly get in, and like scams and tricking people, making them yeah. think they're Amazon. We've we've all seen that before. Um, and I, I just wonder whether you, we're starting a new health torsion. Yeah, yeah not like sex that. torsion, but health torsion. Uh, and, because those images would be very personal or the fact that maybe you've got a respiratory disease and your blood oxygen is different. Maybe these are personal things that you don't want any future employer or your friends or colleagues knowing. Yeah, exactly. And 
it can be used for a number of different things, as you mentioned, from potential employers to insurance claims and others. So begs the question, with all of this data, whether it's your personal health or your fitness tracking, is this data secure? Well, as, I, as I've said, you know, Apple and Amazon are responsible companies, and they would have looked at the health impl- implications of securing this health data very seriously. And if you think about yeah, securing your actual iCloud account, et cetera, with two-factor authentication and it's encrypted and your Amazon account, as long as you've got two-factor authentication turned on, yeah, they're, they're companies that do understand security. But it only takes one clever cyber criminal and an unsuspecting employee to cause a data breach. And a breach may not allow them access directly, but once you get a cyber criminal into a network, then they can move around and they can investigate and find other things. And you know, one of those great examples recently, wasn't it, was that Twitter hack. You know, we saw the perpetrators use socially engineer uh, an internal person at Twitter and they hijacked internal tools to hijack users' accounts and then send out those those messages for Bitcoin, yeah, if you remember. Yeah. Oh, of course I remember. I mean, I, I looked at all the celebrities or the um, influencers that they targeted from Bill Gates to Barack Obama, and those accounts were sending out, as you said, they were saying that they were going to send you some money. So uh, it was pretty clever, but correct me if I'm wrong, I think those guys were just about 17 years old or so, um, and which boggles my mind too with regards to the capabilities uh, that they were able to uh, leverage and, and and to have this attack take place, but are there other risks in everyday use? Right, the average user are they going to potentially have concerns, or should they be concerned in their everyday use of these wearable devices? Well, so one thing all these devices have in common is allowing other apps to access the data or device. So, for example, um, a running or jogging app might be used alongside the fitness device or health monitoring device to find out how far you've run, calories burned. And let's face it, that's part of the benefit of having the device, isn't it? You want to feel good because when you come back from your run, you want to know that now you can actually eat the donut um, because you've run off 500 calories or whatever it might be. Um, But once you add these other parties into the mix and the health data is now being stored in other party servers by other app companies, do they have the same ethos as... Amazon and Apple in the way they secure the data in the same way? Do they have the same resources available? Are they financed in the same way? What's their view on it? And do they see the data in the same way? So what happens when, and what happens when you stop using one of those apps? We're all really bad, aren't we, at deleting old accounts? So what happens when you suddenly stop using that running app and moving across to another running app? Did you go back and delete delete the account, delete the data, or are you leaving snippets of your health information laying around? I mean, a good example there is, yeah, there was that point in time, wasn't there? I can't think of how long ago it was now, maybe six or seven years ago, where just about everybody you looked at had a Fitbit on their arm. Yeah, oh yeah. I wonder how many people deleted their Fitbit accounts. That's a good point. And, you know, the Fitbit is still in the drawer and they've probably still got the account and Fitbit still probably have their data on their servers. You're absolutely so right, right? It's not yeah. just about the data being at Apple and Amazon. It's about the actual experience of the device and all the other apps and pro- providers that actually may have access to it too. Yeah, yeah, you bring up another good point, which is um, whether you're getting a device, 
such as a phone or you're getting a Fitbit or a fitness tracker, you know, for a Christmas, a gift or what have you, um, these things are collecting data, as you mentioned, in third party beyond the OS provider. So I, I got a question for you. You remember Strava, right? Oh, yeah. Strava, yeah. Yeah, the fitness app. So they basically use for all the use, for all the listeners there that may not be aware, Strava was a fitness app that uses your mobile device and tracks and records your jogging path. So what they would do is they would create this heat map of the user's activity. So think of kind of an outline. If you were to run the perimeter of, let's say, your neighborhood and you figured out this is your two mile jogging track, um, it would create that route for you and you could view it online. Well, a large number of military personnel were using the application for their jogging. And these patterns were being recorded by the app and the service, and they could actually determine the perimeter of some of these bases. Now, these weren't just U.S. There were folks from the U.K. military and others that were, again, their morning routine of exercising. And they would wear their app with, I'm sorry, they would wear their device with the Strava app enabled. And they were continuing to outline the perimeter of these bases, which is quite a bit of a concern from military perspective. So with regards to protocols, with regards to the information that's provided that, again, many would feel to be um, not too important, think about that data in the hands of someone who would, right? And as you said, you've always said, you know, think about the value that this could create, not just for yourself, but for someone else. So I'm, I'm putting this back to you with, you know, the conversation now extending beyond you know, fitness trackers and um, Fitbits and the health devices and smartwatches. But we have to bring this back into the home, right? Because digital assistants have a role to play in this too, right? Absolutely. So that's one of the things when Amazon brought out Halo, they made this big announcement that the data will be com held completely separate. So, you know, your Halo health fitness data is going to be completely separate to everything else you do with Amazon, which is actually a good thing. I mean, that's the company taking it seriously. But the problem is, is I can't imagine Halo not working with, for example, Alexa. Yeah. So, and all these companies have digital assistants. So I, I, we're going to talk about Alexa specifically, but um, you know, Apple have theirs and any all these other companies have their own digital assistants as well. So I'm sure that Halo will work in some way with with Alexa. So I'm sure in the evening I'm going to be able to turn and say, hey, Alexa, how many steps did I do today? Or how, how, what was the highest elevation I got to? How many, you know, how many actual steps did I do uh, it, up, up a building or something like that? And yeah, then, or I might be able to ask Alexa about my body mass index. Yeah, am, I, am I improving? So an Alexa is going to answer. Because Alexa is going to have that skill, I'm sure, that will go away, collect the data, and it will come back and give me the answer I, I want. And Alexa stores the interactions. You got that right. Oh, yeah. Now, those inter those interactions on Alexa, nobody actually goes and deletes them. Well, I don't know of anybody that goes and deletes them on a regular basis. But because they're stored, now, is that storing my BMI? Is it storing my health data if I'm asking Alexa those questions? So now suddenly... My data has leapt out of the secure Halo health monitoring system and is now somewhere else. Right. So can you, and maybe this is back to Amazon's privacy policy, but I don't know if it's been denoted. Can a user request those um, uh, requests, if you will, the, the mentions of data? Hey, what? how many steps did I take? Uh, your search history, your phrasing. Can those be deleted? Or is that, you know what, once you've agreed to use this device... Amazon's going to have this to provide you with a better experience with, you know, advertising responses and et cetera. So you're talking specifically of health data. 
there. Yeah, so health data specifically. Well, yeah. So I think they've already made the commitment that it can't be used for advertising purposes, and that's why they've segregated it across into another another place. But but because it's it's then proliferating across your other accounts because you're using it in digital assistance, I think that does then start to add, well, what else could it be used for? Or you know, what are other vendors using it for? So why somebody might have a re- really responsible policy, then if you start linking it to other fitness apps or other systems, then do they have the same policies? And we kind of go back into that whole circle again of yeah. you're only as good as the weakest link. Yeah. Yeah. In that chain, and unfortunately, you know, there's typically always some weak link in that yeah. chain. Well, so with all that though, I mean, these devices are good, aren't they? I mean, you know, I could certainly do with some motivation to get out, do a little bit more exercise, and yeah. you know, my wife and I go for walks in here in Half Moon Bay frequently along the bluffs, and we we walk quite actively and and pass a lot of people, so we're walking quite fast. And it feels good. Yeah, if you do three, four miles, you're walking for maybe an hour and a half and you come home. You feel like, yeah, I did my steps today. I have no clue whether I'm doing my steps because I don't monitor them. But but I know if I'm walking for an hour and a half at some pace, I've done my steps. Right. Yeah. But some people need more than that. Somebody, Some people actually need something to actually buzz on their arm and turn and say, hey, you know, get up, go move. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen a lot of that. In fact, when these things came out, uh, I was in Slovakia, of course, by our headquarters in Bratislava. And um, one of the devices that we got, you know, you were able to set your um, your request for limits, just like you do with all of these devices. You know, hey, what what, what are your goals? What are your objectives, et cetera? And you wouldn't believe, you know, how many times I would see people getting that buzz on their arm and go, oh, I got to get out there and, and, and start walking. And, uh, and you, as you mentioned, Tony, I think this is a good thing for people that again are wanting to try to you know take better control of their shape because just like you and I have been working remotely it's very easy you know to stay in front of your computer all day and then hey you know what it's time for dinner or it's time to move on to something else without considering yeah it'd be great to do some some sort of exercise so i agree with you i think there are there's a demographic that would make advantage take advantage of this and i think apple's also mentioned that with their with their new with their new apple watch that rolled out speaking of do you have an apple watch do you have any of these Fitbit, an Apple Watch. Do you have any sort of wearable device that you know you use to to, to help you stay on track, or are you? So it's really quite bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, you know, if you go back back in time when the mobile phone came out, I kind of dumped my watch because there was this thing on the mobile phone that was a clock, and I didn't need to wear a watch anymore. Yeah. So I kind of haven't worn a watch. And then when Fitbit came around, did I try one out? Yeah, we tried it for a bit, and actually, actually, it, it did change my behavior. I will say that. Because the uh, the company I worked for was based in San Francisco at that moment in time, and whenever I took a conference call, not one that I would you I'd have to actively participate a lot in, but you know you sometimes you get those conference calls that uh, you're just you're not you're more in listening mode and commentary mode as opposed to leading mode on the call. Sure. Yeah. If I had one of those calls, I used to get up from my desk, go out the back door of the office, and I used to go for a walk while okay. I listened to the conference call, and it was a great use of time because I'd walk down around three or four blocks and I'd easily get all my steps in every day because the thing was telling me and it did motor. So it did change my behavior. Good. good. Um, and I still do. Yeah. I still do that on some, some occasions a uh, bit harder. Now we're all working from home. Cause if I leave my house now, you're going to hear the sea and seagulls. And, yeah. So it might not sound quite right on a, on a conference call. Yeah, uh, yeah. It might sound like I'm at the beach. 
But yeah. yeah, it does change behaviour. People do need motivation. And I think these devices do have their place, but I think you've got to use them really consciously, uh, the data they're collecting, what's it being used for, who's using it, who has access to it, and limit it to the very minimum. You're absolutely right. And with that, Tony, I think you bring a perfect place in our conversation to have a cold beer, which I'm going to hold up here. I know you can see me on the camera here. I'm holding up Society Brewing, which is a San Diego brewery. Love them very much. They've actually started putting in cans one of their most famous IPAs called The Pupil. And I absolutely love this beer. So I'm going to pour me a nice cold glass of this. Where do you drink it? Well, I have a Half Moon Bay Amber. Again, really? Yeah, I'm sticking away from those IPAs, as you know, man. Let's stick with that darker, darker colored beer. Oh man, no worries. Well, here I'm going to go ahead and cheers you, bud. And with that, this beer is going to be well served because I did get my steps in earlier. <laughs> I feel like this is a little bit of a reward for me at the end of my day. And for everybody listening, we definitely think with anything, of course, have a look at your privacy policies, look at what information is being collected, definitely read that information because it is your information after all, and they're the service provider. So it's incumbent upon you to learn what and how it's being used. Uh, Tony, any other advice for folks? Well, no, but when if we get on that early uh, program for Amazon, uh, we will take a look at it and we will give you some tips. And I'll write something up and put it on welivesecurity.com. And you can come there and find out some tips around what I think you need to do to actually restrict what it's collecting or, or where that data might go. Oh, man, that makes perfect sense. Well, can't wait to, for you to get one of those in, in your house and give it a shot. And Tony, with that, I think we're going to sign off this week. Hey, as always, great to be here, Anson. Great speaking to you, sir. Talk soon.